630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, here we go. Blue Jays in action tonight. They trail Tampa Bay 1-0 in the bottom of the fourth. Blue Jays do have a runner on second with nobody out. We'll keep you updated on that one. Blue Jays have been a great story over the last two or three weeks. The Edmonton Elks back on the field, tuning up for Saturday's game against the mighty Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Of course, it's on 6.30, Chad. Countdown to kickoff at 6. The game will start at 7.45. New Elks linebacker Derek Moncrief on the field today. And he will play this weekend against Winnipeg and Sir Vincent Rogers, the offensive lineman who was signed by the Elks in free agency in 2019, has never played for the team. Remember, he tore his tricep back in 2019, no year last year, and uh, had a chest injury going into this season. So was on the six-game injured list. Dave Campbell, the producer of this show, and our Elks color commentator on our broadcast saying that Servi on the field and working with the first team offensive line group today. So he could be an option for Saturday. And that would help because I thought the uh, Elks struggled, especially at the tackle spots on Saturday in the loss to the Calgary Stampeders. Man, oh man, I was uh, I was shocked and obviously sad to see that Norm McDonald passed away. Uh, Norm, someone I started watching when he was on Saturday Night Live, I guess, mid-90s-ish. And I, I always enjoyed his sense of humor. Very bizarre you know kind of weird and you know what we're like in canada we got a we got a guy on a big time show like that he's canadian we always like saying stuff like that uh i'm sure many of you have seen a lot of videos and audio of norm posted today on various social media platforms i got this from 2008 norm mcdonald roasting bob saget and Bob isn't the biggest sports fan. I don't think I'm telling any uh, tales out of school. I took him to a, I took him to a ball game, and he came toting a double-barreled shotgun. You remember that? I said, "What the H is that for?" Bob said, "I heard the Lions were playing the Tigers." You remember that? Yeah. No, Bob is not a sports fan. He thinks that the Kentucky Derby is a hat and not a uh, horse race that they race every year. (laughs) No, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's never bought Christmas seals. He told me he wouldn't know what to feed them. That's very true. You wouldn't want to get Christmas seals unless you could feed them. A little bit there from Norm MacDonald. That was from the roast of Bob Saget. Another sports-related thing about Norm MacDonald And for those of you old enough to remember, the NHL season in 1994-95 didn't have any games in 1994 because there was a work stoppage. So they did the 48-game season thing starting in January. And Norm MacDonald would give updates on the lockout on Saturday Night Live on Weekend Update. And he had this sort of recurring joke that he would do where he would read something about the lockout, whatever news update there was, little tidbit from that week. And then he would say in this mysterious voice, or so the Germans would have us believe. And that was the joke. He did, he did that a few times. 
And uh, that was his little shtick about the uh, NHL labor stoppage back in 1994-95. Norm MacDonald, age of 61, leaves us today. And uh, man, oh man, a funny guy. I'm sure all his videos and stand-up specials are going to be watched by uh, a lot of people for a lot of hours here in the days to come. Okay, thanks a lot for checking out the show tonight. It's 10 after 6. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. we got Rob Brown coming up tonight, getting back into the swing of Oilers stuff. So Rob's going to hop on in about an hour. Willie Jefferson, for my money, the best player in the Canadian Football League, an absolute disruptor as a defensive end for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You'll hear from Derek Moncrief, the new Elks linebacker. Dave Campbell talked to him at double E practice today. So some of the things we have coming up tonight. If you would like to participate in the show, you can do so with this phone number, 780-496-0063. That is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. It always warms my heart to get an email to insidesports at 630ched.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And I have been officially nominated as a finalist for the most boring account on Twitter. It's uh, it's me and a uh, a, a kid from uh, a kid from the southern United States, and uh, I, I think some a couple people from uh, a couple people from China are on the list, and uh, I believe there's somebody from Northern Africa. So I'm one of the five finalists for the most uh, boring account on Twitter. Got my fingers crossed. I think it's going to be great. If I win, I won't tweet about it. That's how boring my account is. Anyway, the Oilers continue to skate today, and I can let you know the, the rookies get going tomorrow. So the rookie camp is going to start tomorrow morning, so we'll have some stories for you on the show tomorrow night, and Bob will on Oilers now from noon to 2. They're having a, a relatively early media availability with some of the guys, so that's going to be at 9 a.m., so we'll have all the uh, audio and storylines for you throughout the day here on 6.30. Chad, don't forget the rookies play the uh, Calgary Flames rookies. They have a team in Calgary now. You may have heard that. They, they play the Calgary Flames rookies Saturday at 5 at Rogers Place. No fans for that game. And then they're going to play Monday in Calgary. So those are the two games they're playing as part of uh, this rookie session. Remember, they just, some years ago, they used to play the Alberta Golden Bears. They don't do that anymore. And uh, they, they used to have that tournament in Penticton, which I think they probably want to get going again once we get through this pandemic. So anyway, that's what's going on with the Oilers rookies. But the, uh, the group stayed, uh, skated today. And uh, Connor McDavid held the uh, media availability and answered some questions from us hacks in the media. You know, it, it's such an ongoing theme for the Oilers. Who's who's going to score? Who's going to score besides, and, and you know who the besides guys are, besides McDavid, besides Dreisaitl, besides Nugent Hopkins, and I suppose this last year, um, beside, uh, beside Tyson Berry and Darnell Nurse. Like, th- those were the guys that, that really led the way. Uh, and even for Nuge, uh, I mean, I guess five on five, it wasn't quite as productive a year as he's had other years, so he still did wind up fifth in team scoring. So they, they they don't just look for depth scoring, they look for other guys to score on the top two lines. And that's a big reason why Zach Hyman was signed in free agency. And I, I just, I kind of picked some teams at random today. I, I, I didn't go through all 31 teams who played in the NHL last season, but I picked some other teams that, had uh, have pretty good players and uh, score a fair amount of goals. And I thought, well, let's compare how their top two goal scorers eat up the scoring as opposed to the order. So I, I didn't do points for this. I just did goals scored. And I picked five teams. So the Oilers, obviously the Maple Leafs, Colorado, Tampa Bay, and Las Vegas. I'm going to start, I'm going to start with Tampa Bay. As you know, they won the Stanley cup, their top two goal scorers 
where Braden Point and Steven Stamkos, they combined for 40 goals out of 181. So the top two goal scorers on Tampa Bay scored 22% of the Lightning goals. I won't give you all the numbers here because the, the I know it'll start just bouncing around, but I'll give you the percentages. So the top two goal scorers on the Tampa Bay Lightning scored 22% of the team goals. On the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, the top two goal scorers were Stone and Pacioretty, scored 23.5% of the team's goals. Then you got Colorado. They got some high-flying guys on that team. Rantanen and McKinnon, 25.5% of the goals scored by the Colorado Avalanche. So we're, we're you know, basically between 22 and 25.5% so far for three pretty good teams, Colorado, Tampa, and Vegas. The Toronto Maple Leafs, the team that Zach Hyman departed to come to the Oilers. Matthews and Marner. Well, this gets a little higher. 32.5% of the Leafs' goals were scored by Matthews and Marner. So what about the Oilers? McDavid and Dreisaitl combined for 64 goals out of the 183 scored by Edmonton this past season, 35%. 35% of the Oilers' goals were scored by McDavid and Dreisaitl. So just in this sample of five teams I decided to pick based on, you know, these teams having, you know, two, three, four pretty good players who, uh, who carry a lot of the weight for the teams, there you had it. The, the Oilers easily relying on McDavid and Dreisaitl more than other teams rely on their two top guys to score goals. So there's the one of the reasons Zach Hyman is being brought in. And I asked Connor McDavid, what specifically does Zach Hyman bring to the team that's going to complement your game? Yeah, I mean, you just see how hard he works. He wins battles, gets pucks off the wall. I think those are all things that, that you want in any line, mate. Um, you know, and he's got a lot more skill than, than, than people give him credit for. And he's just a, a great player. And, uh, you know, whoever gets to play with them, I think, uh, will work well. So, and this is the thing that you heard Ryan Nugent Hopkins say it on this show last night when he hopped on to talk primarily about his horse racing victory, but we talked some hockey as well. And McDavid brought up there, Hyman hard to play against, good at getting pucks along the wall, going to the net, doing those types of things. And then, of course, he has the skill to go along with it. And what have we often now, we don't say it as much about the Oilers lately as they've become a better team the last couple of years. But certainly when we are going through that decade of darkness, well, they're too easy to play against, right? Well, Zach Hyman is not easy to play against. Plus, he has the skill to set up other good players on his line as he did in Toronto. And it's expected that that's what, he, what he's going to be able to do here as well. If Zach Hyman last year, Played 43 games, and yes, he did have a knee issue last year, and uh, that is, I think, a you know a bit of a concern about Hyman on the, on the Oilers. Could those knee problems flare up here? But you know, he still had 33 points in 43 games. If he plays a full 82 game season for the Oilers this coming up, upcoming season. I think he's a pretty good bet to get 60 points, I would think. Now, if his participation is limited a little bit, that's going to drop down. But I, I you know, I, I would think he's the type of player and playing with who he's going to get to play with and being very likely being on this deadly power play that can certainly get three quarters of a point per game. Certainly get three quarters of a point per game. So a little bit of look there at how the Oilers have relied very, very heavily on two players, which we know, but I just thought putting it percentage-wise, again, McDavid and Dreisaitl scoring 35% of the Oilers' goals last season. 35% of the Oilers' goals last season coming from one of those two guys throughout the year. Another element to this Oilers team is looking at the players who they added in the summer. 
And they added some, well, they added a couple of gray beers, quite frankly. You got Duncan Keith, who's 38 on defense. You got 34-year-old center Derek Ryan, the former U of A Golden Bear, returning to Edmonton. I mentioned Hyman. He's 29. Cody Cece coming in on the back end. He's 28 years of age. I mean, players who are halfway or later into their careers. And then McDavid noted this today as well. McDavid's going into his seventh season. He's 24. Leon Dreisaitl's going to turn 25 in late October. The Nuge coming off that big contract extension. He's 28. Darnell Nurse just had his best season in the league. He's 26. In hockey terms, these are not little greenlings anymore. These are not little saplings still trying to find their way. They've been through some stuff. They're starting to reach, you know, those mid to late 20s where you'd hope they would really peak as all-around players, plus those additions. Here's here's something to remember as we roll into the season. And, uh, of course, hey, you know, we're talking projected lineups. We don't know exactly how things are going to play out. But the two youngest players on the Oilers roster are likely going to be defenseman Evan Bouchard and center Ryan McLeod, who will turn 22 soon. In fact, McLeod turns 22 one week from today, and Bouchard turns 22 on October 20th. So by the time we basically get into the regular season, because Bouchard is going to turn 22 a week into the season, the Oilers may have nobody on the roster younger than the age of 22. So this is the, some of the changes they have made this summer and just players naturally getting older and more experienced, this could be a team as, as we move into October and November who has nobody under the age of 22 on the roster. So hopefully a little older, hopefully a little more experienced, and hopefully, well, here's what McDavid put about being, here's how McDavid put it, about the core being ready to go here. Definitely think at the time is now. I think uh, I'm 24 years old, you know, Nursey and, and, and Dry are, you know, 25, 26 years old, Nuge, you know, 28. So, you know, the, the, the old excuse that, you know, we're young guys is, is no longer. So, you know, for us as a group, I think, uh, the time is now to, to start uh, to start really pushing this thing. Kenny's done his job and gone out and got pieces and, and, and added some things. And like I said, it's on us now to uh, to put the thing together. It's the time is now. It's on us to put the thing together. I, I think those are words to remember for the Oilers and their expectations going into this season. It's 620. We'll call a quick timeout. Inside Sports on Chet. Let's hear a little bit more from the captain, Connor McDavid, who spoke to the media today. By the way, we uh, we are in person with Connor McDavid in the Hall of Fame room for the first time since, uh, I guess, March of 2020. No Zoom today. And uh, McDavid commented, well, he was asked, how do you take the next step here as a team? But all the core guys, um, you know, we got to continue to get better. I think that's the only the only way we uh, we get better as a group is if uh, internally we we continue to push and, and strive for better and um, continue to grow our games, develop our games uh, all over the rink, uh, the D zone, all over the place. So um, I think that's uh, that's uh, the the biggest opportunity for um, for our group is if we continue to push uh, internally to get better. Oilers looking like a team that should make the playoffs. There aren't a lot of guarantees, but I think that if you look at the Pacific Division and what the Oilers have been able to do last year, should be able to get into the postseason and probably ultimately going to be judged here on what they're able to do in the playoffs in the years to come. 
As we know, everybody has another opponent this year besides all the other teams in their respective league, whether it's NHL, CFL, NFL, whatever, and that is COVID-19. And McDavid was asked, do you have, do the Oilers have a team vaccination policy? I mean, the vaccine thing is, is obviously very complicated and very political, and I'm going to stay away from it for now, but everyone's got their their the right to choose what they want to do and you know obviously you want to keep everyone safe and that's always that was the main focus last year it's a focus this year as well all right so uh you know ken holland was on the show last week and i asked him about his uh, comfort level with the team's vaccination rate and the approach of keeping covid out of the dressing room uh he did not give a vaccination rate he did emphasize that players have a personal choice but he's comfortable with in general about how the players have been behaving and taking it seriously and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, hopefully we don't see any games postponed throughout the course of the season. I think everybody wants the games to go ahead, the traveling to go ahead, the fans to be able to come into the building and go a little bit of crazy, all going to be fun. We got a guy who's fun to watch. If you don't care who wins the game, if you're a fan of the Edmonton Elks, you might be a little fearful of this guy rolling into Commonwealth on Saturday from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers a 2015 Grey Cup champion here in Edmonton. Willie Jefferson coming up next on Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for checking out the show tonight. We have Willie Jefferson from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming up in a couple of minutes. You will hear from Derek Moncrief, Elks linebacker, who is going to make his debut with the team, expected to anyway, on Saturday against the Bombers. Rob Brown will be on the show after 7. An hour from now, if you want to stick around or come back, we got Kurt McLeod on the show. This is the young man. This is a great story. This is the Edmontonian who wrote the screenplay for the Gerard Butler movie Cop Shop. So we got the movie Cop Shop. It was all it was advertised all over the NFL games on Sunday. We got the movie Cop Shop. Guy from Edmonton wrote the screenplay. And well, he lives in Edmonton. It's not like he's, you know, moved to Hollywood and he's got some fancy spanchy life up in the uh, you know, the Hollywood Hills or Mulholland Drive or Santa Monica or something like that, or Venice Beach, you know. He doesn't, he doesn't have a little tent on Venice Beach with all the vendors and he's selling his screenplays. No, no, he lives right here. Matter of fact, I think he's on the verge of becoming a lawyer. So we're going to have him on the show. That's going to be pretty cool. The movie is Cop Shop. It opens Friday. Kurt McLeod is the screenwriter. He's from Edmonton. He's going to be on the show. Elks, Bombers, it is Saturday. It is a 6 o'clock countdown to kickoff. It is a game that starts at 745. The last game for the Elks did not go very well. Head coach Jimmy Elizondo says... The offensive line and quarterback Trevor Harris didn't have a very good night. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of different looks. We got knocked back. And particularly, we got knocked back in the run game more than in the pass pro. Uh, We took some sacks that weren't the O-line's fault. Um, You know, and you can't do those things. I think there's a psychology there, too, when your quarterback is getting sacked at times when he shouldn't get sacked, that there's a mindset that starts happening. So... You know, we can't get sacked on an RPO game, on a pull read, those types of things. But we got dented. They played up front with more intensity than we played. 
Well, seven sacks of Trevor Harris on Saturday, obviously far too many, and they got another really good defense, another really good defensive line to contend with on Saturday night, and a, uh, a really good defensive lineman, and that is Willie Jefferson. Trevor Harris had this to say about Jefferson. Yeah, he's like an avatar. He's he's uh, he's different, but there's a reason he's been Defensive Player of the Year up here, um, and uh, he's done a tremendous job, you know, mixing up his pass rush moves and dropping into coverage and using his wingspan to bat down footballs. That's been the big uh, thing that he can do is, you know, make sure he gets his paws on footballs, you know, when he when he can get his hands up, and, and that becomes an issue because that puts you in second long, helps you fall behind the chains, and then, then he can use his pass rush moves. And um, not enough people talk about Jackson, Jackson Jeffcoat either. I mean, they've got both really good defensive ends and uh Kong, Kongbo and the, so they're they've got they've got good guys over there a lot for the Elks to worry about absolutely and to me Willie Jefferson leads the way he already has four sacks in six games this season in 2019 he helped the Bombers win the Grey Cup he had 12 sacks in 18 games and he was also named the CFL's top defensive player he started his CFL career here in Edmonton in 2014 and 2015 and I'm pleased to welcome back to the show Willie Jefferson Willie you're on with Reed how are you doing sir and I'm blessed man happy to be here well, it's nice to have you on the show, Willie, because uh, I've been pumping your tires the last couple of days telling everybody I got the best. I haven't been saying I got the best defensive player in the league coming on the show. I've been saying I got the best player in the league coming in the show. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that just to tickle your fancy and get in your good books. Uh, you, you had a great season in 2019, and you're doing it again this year. How are you feeling about your performance so far? I'm, feel- I'm feeling good. Uh, it could be better, you know, but we still have a couple games to play, you know, some big games to be played in the West, and we we need to take care of business. All right. Well, I want to talk to you about that. I want to jump in here, though, with a a bit of a fun moment that you were involved in at Saskatchewan uh, in Regina for that Labor Day game. There was some footage there at the end of the game, and it's, it's popped up on social media as well. You're interacting with some young guys who appeared to be dressed in Saskatchewan colors. And uh, you had a little bit of fun with them and, and with your gloves as well. Could you give us the story behind this moment? Uh, just, you know, uh, you know, uh, end of the game, uh, team pretty much going into victory formation and things like that. Uh, I'm on the sideline getting ready to, you know, leave and things like that. And, you know, it's the fans right there, the kids asking me, can I have your gloves? Can I have your towel? And things like that, and us being on the the visitor sideline, you know, they tend to put the the rowdy fans right behind the visitors. So, you know, me being from you know Saskatchewan, well, not being from Saskatchewan, but playing in Saskatchewan, I know how the fans are, and I know how they get down. So, you know, the the kids asked me for my gloves, and I told them, you know, if he want my gloves, he gotta he gotta uh, he gotta take that take that rowdy gear off and uh, throw up the W for the team. And he did it, so he got him some gloves. Him and his homeboy. Now, you, that is quite a feat to get a Ryder fan to take off their merch, to get, to get a pair of gloves from an opposing player. That, I think that's more dip, that was more difficult for you to do than any quarterback you've sacked in the CFL. Well, you know, I tend to, do, I tend to make the, the, the hard thing look easy. 
we go. Well said. Well said. You're you're uh, you're sharp with the interviews as well as your performance on the field. Let, let, let's just sort of uh, recap a little bit because you, you know you, you came to Edmonton in '14 and you helped the team win the Grey Cup in '15. When, when you look back on those first couple of years in the CFL, and I know Chris Jones has been a big part of your career. What what were some of the big lessons you learned? The things that helped you sort of take those first steps here in your pro career. Uh, just to just to uh take it all in, take my time, and to you know uh wait my turn, and when my turn did come, you know see the opportunity and, and and make the best of it. You know I was fortunate to uh play under two great defensive ends, and you know two guys that that taught me a lot. Uh, Marcus Howard and Odell, Odell Willis. You know what I'm saying? Uh, just to have those two guys ahead of me and show me how to play CFL football, how to, you know, get myself together and, and, and study the game and make the game uh, slow down. For me, that was real important. And then just to have those guys to, like, mentor me in 14 and 15 and then just mold me into the guy I am now, man, just, you know, trying to, you know, lead the way for the younger guys, like how, how those guys led the way for me. Willie, you're you're six foot seven, and I've asked other defensive line players like the, this question over the. I mean, I talked to Doug Brown a couple of years ago, uh, who used to play for Winnipeg, and he's like six foot ten. Um, and you obviously can get sacks, but you knock down a lot of balls too, and you even come up with the odd interception along the way. When you're rushing, is there a point in your pass rush where you stop thinking sack and you start thinking knockdown or, or sometimes do you think, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go so hard at the quarterback. I'm going to bait him into throwing one. I can bat out of the air. How do you, how do you approach that? Uh, it's it's kind of, it's kind of just like a feel of the game type thing. You know, with some of these quarterbacks, they have a uh, quick pass, like the, you know, the quick release and things like that. They don't really get into the, uh, four-step drop, five-step drop, and things like that are just, you know, uh, the drop period to where they have to wait for a receiver and things like to get get open. And, you know, we do film study and things like that, and we know uh, how offensive linemen set, how, you know, uh, play formations come. And, you know, when, when the quarterback uh, pulls up to throw the ball, if the quarterback pulls up to throw the ball and I'm – still in front of him and I'm still in front of him. It's no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get my hands up and get into the throwing lane, uh, you know, any way possible. But if, you know, if I can get off the ball and get into my pass rush move and get around the corner or, you know, you know, do what I do and get to the point where I can make a sack, then, you know, getting my hands up and, you know, getting into the throwing lane is secondary. You know, I can always get around the edge or get in front of the quarterback on the way to the sack and him trying to throw it. And instead of me trying to get the sack, I'm trying to get the, the knockdown because even me going for the sack, if I'm not trying to knock the ball down, he's trying to complete a pass. So if right. I can do both, if I, can, if I can knock the ball down on the way to the sack, then that's what I'm trying to do. Willie Jefferson from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers joining us on Inside Sports tonight. So... I had the clip there, Trevor Harris talking about you. Uh, do you want to give your scouting report to Trevor Harris? Man, Trevor, Trevor's a good guy, man. I, I had the opportunity, you know, a couple of times, uh, CFL week, to kick it with him, you know, talk talk to him, 
about his family, you know what I'm saying, like his off-season training, things like that. He's a tough guy. He's a really good quarterback, very accurate with the ball. He can he can uh, throw the deep ball. He can put it where it needs to be. And he's you know he's he, he's the leading passer in the league for a reason because he's very efficient, very you know knowledgeable with the ball. So you know what I'm it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna it's always a good game when you know when I get a chance to go against Trevor because you know like he, like he said man I'm always trying to get in his way and knock down a couple of passes and things like that because I know he's a, he's a he's a quick passer. He likes to get the ball. He knows where he wants to go. He wants to get the ball to his receivers really quick. All right. Well, I see you're not giving us any bulletin board material about Trevor like Elmondo did earlier in the year. <laughs> you're steered clear of that, eh? <laughs> nah, we good. You know what I'm saying? I, I let Mondo. I'm let Mondo have all of it. You know, you know, Mondo. You know what I'm saying? Ex teammate, bad blood, and all that. I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him air, uh, air the Elks out like that. I'm gonna just let my play talk for me. All right. Well, you didn't get to play last year in 2020 because there was no season, Willie. What did you do? How did you keep busy and stay in shape? Uh, how did I keep busy? You know, chasing my little girl around wasn't wasn't really easy, but I did that a lot. Uh, I did the uh, did the online schooling for my nieces and nephews at my house while their parents were at work. Uh, I trained kids football and things like that. Uh, I drove trucks, like CDL trucks. I had got my commercial drive, uh, my commercial driver's license over the uh, over the pandemic, and basically just you know trying to just stay active and do something, and not just you know stay in the house and sit on the couch. So you got your commercial driver's license. Was that something you were working towards anyway, or did you did you decide to do that once you found out there wasn't going to be a season? Uh, it was it was something that I that I was probably gonna work toward, you know, because my dad my dad drives trucks, my brother drives trucks, my my father in law drives trucks and things like that. So it was something that I was gonna pretty much do soon or later. But you know, with with the all the time that I had and 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 them to help me, it was pretty easy to get into that. All right. Willie, I was uh, looking on your Twitter account earlier today, and you, you have a pretty entertaining Twitter account if people want to give you a follow as well. A lot of, uh, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of, a lot of videos. I, I'm going to ask you about one thing you posted. You said, I'm not a coffee person. I'm naturally a morning person. So I'm curious to know about your energy level in the morning and your routine. Is, like, is that when you get up and train and do all that kind of stuff. And, and, and once you answer that, I do want to ask ask you a follow up of that as well. But tell us about that morning energy that you appear to be blessed with. Yeah, man, I'm I'm just I'm just a morning guy. You know, I'm I'm, I'm the type of guy that wakes up six thirty in the morning, uh, rolls out the bed, brush my teeth, wash my face, and I'm really just kind of ready to go. And I'm not trying to, you know, saying stop until it's time for me to come home. So. You know, a uh, typical day in the off season for me, you know, alarm goes off probably 6.30. Wake up, brush my teeth, wash my face, you know, kiss my wife, kiss my baby. You know, I'm walking out the house, uh, you know, getting in the truck, leaving. Probably like around 6.45, going to give me some breakfast. Something light, something nice, though, before I head to the gym. At the gym by 7, 
7.30. Yep, getting that, you know what I'm saying, starting a little work. We're probably out of there, probably like around 9. Home by 9.30. Uh, lunch, well, shower, lunch, and then it's, it's pretty much the day started now. So, you know, wife, you know what I'm saying, wifey then got up, got her workout in, my little girl then got up. Ate breakfast and she's starting to do her little uh her little daily routine with her numbers, colors and uh letters and stuff like that. And we off the rolling then, you know what I'm saying? It's the day now, so So was it ever has it ever been hard for you during your career to play games that are later at night? Like this one's gonna start at eight forty five Winnipeg time on Saturday. Did you have to figure out a way since you like mornings to have that energy for game time if it's a later game? Uh yeah, so like I'm I'm not really I'm not I don't necessarily like later games just because it makes you have to like wait and you know what I'm saying, like just control like all that energy and stuff like that. Because I usually like to just get up and get it and get it going. So what I tend to do when it's when it's later games, I, I usually tend to have like my same little morning routine, uh, especially on away games. So it's like uh wake up like seven, uh, you know, bring my tea, wash my face, read my uh my Bible, call my wife, tell them good morning, do all that, then just, uh go get breakfast, uh come back. And then just probably just try to just like relax. I, I do like my uh do like not like a like a like a workout, but just like some stretching and things like that. Do some uh get in my recovery boots, watch a movie, probably take a nap, and then wake up and get on the bus and then head to the stadium. Right get on. ready to work. Okay. Well, Willie, uh, look, I'm happy to have you on the show. I I genuinely do mean that I've enjoyed watching you play. I I do have a personal policy, though. Uh, I will wish you good luck for the season, but because you are playing an Edmonton team on Saturday, I won't specifically wish you good luck for that game. Sound fair? That's fine. I, I tend to, I tend I tend to usually have a great I tend to usually have a great day when I'm in Edmonton, so I appreciate it. Right on. Thanks, Willie. That is Willie Jefferson checking in. Very well spoken and an outstanding player, defensive end for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So maybe there's a little bit of hope. He gener- he doesn't like later games. It's uh, 7.45 on Saturday, 8.45 Winnipeg time where he's coming in from. So maybe that could help uh, the Elks a little bit. He's an awesome player. It's 6.50. Derek Moncrief, the new member of the Elks, coming up. Jefferson, a big playmaker on defense for the Bombers. Will the Elks adding a guy that they hope is going to be a big playmaker on defense that is linebacker Derek Moncrief, who talked to Dave Campbell at practice today. What was it like getting back on the field here uh, today uh, with your new team? Oh, man, it was fun, man. Just to be back, you know, uh, back in the CFL, 
back on the practice field with my new teammates, uh, some of former foes. Uh, it's, it's just great. Just blessed uh, just be a part of this great organization. And uh, you're right in your familiar spot, and it's a it's a new scheme. But yeah. at this stage of your career, you're like, just put me in. I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, everything's take time. As uh, long as I just keep preparing, being a student of the game each and every day, and you know, just listening to the coaches and uh, just following my teammates' lead, and I'll be all right. So what's your impressions of the of the defense that Nolthorpe runs that would suit your skill set? Oh, man, he just let us play. He just let us play aggressive, uh, make plays, uh, and just play freely. You know what I mean? That's what it's all about. Football, you want to be able to play fast and make plays and get the ball back for the offense. I got to ask you the uh, question that we seem to be asking everyone that gets through quarantine. So, how was quarantine for you, and how did you keep busy? Uh, it was all right, <laughs> um, but you know, I read books. Uh, I bought this Rick Ross book before I um, before I left Alabama. So, just a perfect day to boss up. That's what it called. Uh, just read and uh, you know, just meditating and trying to manifest my thoughts so I can get on this field fast. It's almost like you got to find ways to just. Have yeah. the time melt away from you and just do yeah. what you're doing in the moment, right? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and I'm sure get in your playbook a bit, right, too, right? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, man. Just ready, man. I'm very excited for this opportunity, though. So you've been playing. I mean, you went through a camp with, yeah. with the Rams. Uh, yeah. You're, you're, you're in football shape. How much does that help just to kind of just, you know, step off the plane, go into quarantine, but step out on this field and go, all right, let's just do it? Well, it, it's what I do. I've uh, been playing football since I was five years old. Uh, my dad, testing my dad and my, my brothers and, you know, just everybody helping me out. Uh, so just to be back on the field after that and everything on my long journey, man, I'm very blessed and I'm just ready to, you know, just get these W's and uh, potential winning a great cup. Well, not that it's easy ever in football, but here come the 5-1 and one Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And yeah. You know them very well. Yeah, yeah. So what's the, what, what's the key? What's your impressions of them so far? Oh, they're a great team. Ready to defend the champs, uh, of course. Uh, they play. They play great on all three phases. So, um, just got to come ready. You got to prepare. You know, you just got to stick to your game plan, offensively, defensively, and special teams, and you know, just see it through for four quarters. And finally, just when you look behind you, you got Aaron Grimes. Yeah. When you look just to the what left or right or wherever you are in the field, you see yeah. Jonathan Rose. Yeah. What's that like? Oh, this just makes it comfortable. Uh, those guys are vets. They make they make great uh, great plays over the years, so it makes it easier. You know, uh, communication and everything like that. So you know, uh, discretion in practice. Uh, I always said that the games are easy. So you know, with those two guys and, and the surrounding cast around us, uh, we'll be all right for sure. That is Derek Moncrief, linebacker, ready to rock and roll for your Edmonton Elks. We got the seven o'clock news and weather. Blue Jays still down one nothing to the Rays in the eighth. Rob Brown coming up. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.